0: Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom.
1: The Westwood One Podcast Network. Network. Never quit. never quit. Never quit radio.
3: Hello there, Team Q Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. I'm the producer, Andrew. Joined today with Melanie and Marcus Luttrell. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Thanks, brother. Good to be back.
4: Hey, I'm subbing in for Morgan while he's out of town.
3: So are you guys excited about the New Year as I am? you guys have any New Year's resolutions?
2: Always. I'll make them when the New Year comes around. But it's uh, <laughs> my favorite time of year. Holidays, the weather always, you know, we have that wonderful weather.
4: Yeah, I love the holidays. I have not made my resolutions yet, but I need to, and I'm sure it will focus around fitness and something to do with um, being healthy.
3: Yeah, that's probably my goal, too. Maybe one less Whataburger a week.
4: <laughs> a week?
2: Oh, my
3: gosh. <laughs> a lot of Andrew.
2: people. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Getting healthy and, and, and uh, getting in shape. So that's does right. that mean they're un- they, they the whole year they're just unhealthy and that's what miserable. I was actually interested
3: to see what you would say? I was curious to see if you even believed in resolutions because it seems like kind of garbage. Because it's like, why aren't we doing it all year? No, it's not garbage. We 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 wrote ours out.
2: That's the thing you do is you, we have that we have a chalkboard. So whatever, it's look at your resolution as the plan of the year, right? It's not something that you, you it's something you're gonna get done.
4: Mine lasted for three months last year. You know when it really falls is. Around Easter.
3: Reese's eggs come out.
4: And crawfish season. I mean, we've oh, got, yeah. there's just, there's so much going on.
2: Maybe we should just, just ramp it up so, so hard on the, on front, the end. front end. And then coast down <laughs> on the back end. That's
3: what I do. That way if you gain, it's not that bad, you know. We got a pretty awesome guest today. We got Sydney Cummings. She's a personal trainer, fitness nutrition specialist, YouTube influencer. And she offers free daily workouts videos every single day which is pretty cool so I'm, I'm excited to have her before we get to her interview though we got a patreon question of the day from mike mike asks you refer to parenting in sidebar comments reacting with guests as they bring it up and it's always cool to hear your perspective in those contexts can you guys share with your listeners a top three parenting advice tips list for moments in your life that have molded how you love and raise your children top three parenting advice tips
4: Gosh, I have a lot. I believe in spanking. Um, I mean, not beating, but I believe in a firm spank um, when they're very young. So they learn the difference between right and wrong. Um, saying no 50 times or stop it 50 times doesn't help. And um, so, yes, I'm a firm believer in a one-swat spank, <laughs> uh, preferably with a wooden spoon. That's my uh, spanking tool of choice. And I believe in hugging them after you spank and explaining why you did it and never do it out of anger. I also believe in praying with your children every night and when you tuck them in bed and tell them you love them every single day. And I have one more, and it would be to never humiliate your children in a form of punishment.
2: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny when, uh, it's not funny, actually, but I, you never thought about all this stuff until you actually become a parent. And you can read all the books, and that's kind of everybody. I mean, there's so many of them out there, but they're, that, they're going off the reaction of the kid that they raised. You spend the first 40 years of your life, like I say, trying to figure out the, the man that you're not. And from zero to 40, Morgan and I no wife, no kids. Like I said, we were a big kid ourselves, and you're never supposed to really growing out of being a kid and, and believing in magic and, and, and having fun and, and everything that you're doing You just kind of get more experienced in, in life as you go. And if you can relate back to all the stuff that you, and how much fun you had when you were a kid, it makes parenting, in my opinion, a lot easier. Uh, and, um, because your kid is the next version of you, so I'm like Mark One Mod Two. That's me, and, and I mean that life everlasting is our child. Just imagine you just morphed into into your child. It's it's the combination of, of you and your wife. And when you, like I so you marry your opposite, your kids are going to be per- the next version of you'll be perfect. So, but all the doors are shut, and so you're just following yourself around to see which direction you go. And a lot of parents, will they want their their kid to go in the direction that to, that they wanted to go, or they think that they you know that they want for them, but in reality, did you do that when you, when the last version of you tried that? No, nah, it's just kind of like, hey, if if, if on the timeline, the big game of life, you get the, the way you get multiple players is, is your kids, right? You get to stay in the game longer. And, um, when it comes to, to punishing the kids in the beginning, they, they don't understand English, they don't, understand, I mean, it's kind of like a puppy. That's why you want to raise a puppy or something before that you can't communicate with or can't communicate back with you until you go straight into trying to raise yourself. And the reason we we spank the kids or swat them at the younger age because they don't understand the vocabulary and they don't understand what words mean. So you give them a little bit less of a tap than what it was that they were about to get into, like electric if they got shocked or if they got burned, right? And then they'll know that. I mean, that's a proven fact that they'll know not to do that. And then as they learn more and more and they communicate back and forth, then you move away from that, um, the physical side of it. And you communicate just like we do as adults. I mean, it's kind of hard to rationalize with yourself at that age. I mean, you can't even you could not even be rationalized with when you were a teenager. So, you know, I I always thought about that. And every time kids are great at bringing levity. If you're ever wondering if God's trying to deliver a message, just hear what your kids say to you and uh it's 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 pretty humbling at times right and it's the it's the best thing and i you know i i do i try to tell them tell him i love them every time i see him. and then i remember back when i was a kid when my dad would come in and he would do something that was cool to me or if he would surprise me with something how that made me feel at that point in time and then i, I try to i try to do that and the hardest thing to actually do being a parent is to be one because i I had a lot of I was my father would always say he's like I'm not your friend, I'm your father. And I never understood what that meant until I had kids and now I say that. Reason being is I still have the same friends I've had since I was a boy and we do stupid things together. I mean on purpose. And I was never the voice of reason. And whatever we were in, I was in it. There has to be one person out there that kind of keeps you in check and that's that's your father, right? That's where the I'm the I'm protection and enforcement in this family. You it's matriarchal there's one rule. Mom's right. Keep her, keep her happy. The minute you step out of line, man, that's when I step in. And um, I, I love them like a friend, and, and, but I, I know what kind of father that uh, I'm not. So from zero to seven, I just let them be kids. I never try to push anything on them. I them go in every, every direction. And then once they hit seven, then whatever they're interested in, then I'll kind of start coaching them. And if they want, the biggest thing I, 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 I do, and I do this for myself, is if I want something, I wait two weeks. If I still want it, then I start working for it. And with my kids, they they want everything. They're like, can I have this? I was like, Yeah, two weeks. We'll come back and get it. Tell me if you still want it. And and so I'm not telling them no. I'm just telling them that we, we're not going to get it right now. And just that way, you won't have stuff laying around. I I was walking down uh, all the other day, and there was one of those Nintendos on the floor, and I was kind of like, What? This is a four hundred dollar whatever. And I was like, Who am I gonna get mad at? The kid the, the kid who let the on the ground or the adult who gave him the $400 Nintendo and they didn't have a lanyard <laughs> strap to it. I'm a team guy. Everything's supposed to have a lanyard, right? Yeah. I mean, I almost stencil my name on my kids just to, but, uh, anything that a computer or any kind of tech can do for them, make sure that they know how to do it before you allow them to have that part. And always look back and say, man, what was more beneficial to me? I, I it's hard just when you kid, you know, getting, when I, to change my tone. I've gotten it now to where all I have to do is normally I'll hear Melanie raise her voice and I'll be like, what'd you say, hon? You need me? And then that's it. You know, they better get back on track.
4: Yeah, I haven't had to spank in a long time because they they listen now. I mean, I don't believe in like, like I said, not in beating your children. That's abuse. That's horrible. But in a disciplinary way, in a non-anger, non-emotional way, just to teach your kids right from wrong. When they're young, like the terrible twos is the perfect time to do that. Um, and then by the time, I mean, our little ones are seven and eight. By the time they're that age, you don't have to. Yeah, once you
2: set that in, they don't, they're don't. they not going to remember those spanking. That's, that's why you do it at that age.
4: I have one more. We also have a 21-year-old and... Your kids never stop being your kids, no matter if they're adults. I mean, I can imagine when he's 40 and I have grandkids, he's still mine. And I still tell him I love him every day, even though he's in college. And I'm probably the last thing he thinks about. Your kids don't just move out oh, at 18. I wouldn't 18. say that.
2: Come on now. I mean, look, moms.
4: <laughs> your kids just don't move out at 18 and then you just forget about them. They're always yours. Always show them no matter how old they are that you love them and that's it that's
2: my yeah my advice to the all the guys out there is the one person you will show absolute respect to and never disrespect is the woman who carried you into this world just just think about that i don't care what happens just say you know that and that's never disrespect your mom and because um, as guys you're going to go through life and you're going to get your butt whipped and when guys get our asses whipped, we don't go crawling back to our buddies. That's embarrassing. We go crawling back to our women, usually our mother. I've had my ass whipped back to my mom twice. <laughs> <laughs> and they always put us back together, and there's you know, food on the table, and it's just one place you know that you can, you're kind of safe, right? And with moms, don't be afraid to, to what said, discipline your child. Strong, strong mom, because if you don't do that, if you don't discipline your kid or teach them, somebody else will. So who, who do you want doing that? Who, who do you want teaching yourself? Like I said the child is the next version of yourself. So who do you want to give them that lesson? And I I put I apply pressure to my kids and put them in situations just to see how they react. And then I'll pull the pressure off. And and it's a it's a it doesn't have to be a fast process, it can be slow. I mean with the communication, our kids get home from school, I mean I'm like, "Hey, how was your day?" And they'll say, "Good, good." I just say the same thing. And the other day I did that. I was like, "Hey, how was your guys day?" And they're like, "Good." I was like, "You didn't even go to school. We took you to the dentist."
5: <laughs> so, once
2: that, once that happened, then now I ask them, like, okay, who's the first person you talk to? And they'll tell me, I was like, all right, what color shirt were they wearing? All right, were they in a good mood? Yeah, what was your first subject? Teach me, teach me what you're learning. And then that's how, I mean, I always consider myself the same age as my, my kid, when, and what I need to be learning. And it's cool because you get to start over with math and, and the stuff that you didn't pick up in school, you pick it up with them.
4: Which, by the way, math nowadays sucks. I mean, elementary math, how they're teaching it right now does not make sense. Just putting that out there for all of the whoever is creating the curriculum. Please go back to how it was in the 80s. I mean, this is ridiculous.
3: (laughs) Marcus, I like that advice about like not getting into autopilot with with how you're, you know, I'm not a parent. I'm just a dog dad. But, you know, as a as a kid, per se you know, kind of, or even just as an individual, like getting into the habit of just like not asking the same question. I think it was my little brother the, as, the other day asked me like, how's business? And I was like, oh, it's going good. And he was like, cool. So like anything else you have to say about it? And I was just like, oh, like we well, just get so much in the habit of just being like, yeah, whatever. How was your day? And then just kind of leaving it at that. So I like that you're kind of digging in.
2: Right, because if you actually went out and tried to have a day, it's not all good. Yeah. Right? And and the problem with – when. And this is what comes with teams and with people in the uniform, right? Everything is good, meaning it wasn't something to where it was so bad it, it affected me. But then you'll just keep keep that to yourself. So that's why it's important eating dinner, sitting down and getting away from all that. Because, I mean, anything you're looking at on that screen or playing on a video game is sitting right in front of you. It's like a real live game. I mean, with the young, young kids, like with ours, I'm not really worried about them getting attached to those computers and everything. Because that be, won't be cool. It'll be, you know, it's boring. And... Um, all the games they're playing are made off of our, us anyways. Yep. I mean, it's it's pretty funny. When Mel said don't discipline in anger, there's a, a book by Sung Soo. He's a general. He wrote The Art of War back in the day. If you're in business or anything, I mean, everybody should kind of read it. But it says, one of them is, if the, uh, if the orders were unclear, it's the fault of the general. If they were clear and they weren't followed, then it's the fault of the sergeant. And there's a huge difference in that. But remember when you're talking to your kids at the ages that they're at, always relay it and make sure the orders are clear. Say, do you understand? All right, tell me what I told you, and I explain to me what you think that is. And we've done that with ours. And they, they were sitting around and Melly walked in, we were watching something on TV, and she goes, Oh, I didn't know you liked <laughs> and He's like, Axe, I didn't know you liked the show. She's like, Yes, I do. It's very satisfying.
4: She <laughs> like, actually said I'm satisfying.
2: Like, <laughs> Man, I didn't even learn that word till yesterday. You know, that kind of thing. And it was um
4: yeah, it's just I mean
2: the levity that they that the kids will will bring is is something.
4: Well, then Hunter told us yesterday on the phone that he had to do one of his finals is on a really old book from 1981. Yeah, that really bothered you, oh. and that made me feel so
2: old. So old. That was back in the 1900s. And yeah, you know, I'm like yeah. Hunter.
4: That's in my lifetime.
3: That is me. That is me. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for your question. If you guys want to ask your questions, we will answer them on the show. Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash teamneverquit. We've got some really cool gear that goes out to our members. We have these little videos we send to all the new the new people that sign up, and it's a lot of fun. So if you want to be a part of that community, head over to patreon.com slash teamneverquit. Let's get to the interview with Sydney.
2: All right, before we get into this, Sydney, I just want to tell you, again, thanks for coming on. Um, this is basically like me, you, and Mel, and Adam and Carol on the phone, hanging out for a little while, getting to know each other, and talking about some of your most difficult moments and how you, uh, you overcame them and got through it. I mean, people who come here, we all go through hard times. I mean, the, the scenarios are right. play out a little differently, but the people <laughs> obviously going through it are different. But the application and and the lessons learned, man, can just help everybody. So the way the way this works, there's no gotcha questions. Kind of taped anything you want to talk about, you don't want to talk about. It's it's just like that. Seriously, we it's a it's a blessing to have you come in here and introduce you to uh, to all of our team members. I mean, this is kind of we like to say this is your interview to become part of <laughs> Team Never Quit, and we're letting you uh, because you went through the difficult times in your life and you got through that you. You made the team, so now we're introducing you to to everybody else.
7: Amazing! I'm glad to be on the team. Yeah, I'm glad to to tell my story as well. I'm so glad, Mel, you reached out and, like you said, I think it's about showing people that you know resilience is key. We all go through bad things, like you said, but it's how you come through them that matters and and can inspire other people. So I'm super pumped to be here.
4: Awesome! Can you just tell us your story as if we were sitting on the couch together talking? You just Give us your your whole story, how you started, you know, the workout programs, what made you get into it. And then, I mean, I've seen your video on, um, you know, I don't want to spill any beans first. Just you go into your whole story.
7: Okay. Um, So I guess kind of my never quit story has been uh, a couple years long with kind of three main areas uh, that I would say in that scenario I had to figure out how I was not going to quit. Um, the first one, I guess, would be after I graduated college. um, I was at West Virginia University on a full academic and athletic scholarship. I was a college high jumper. And uh, after I graduated college, I went to nursing school, uh, which seemed like kind of my only option as I loved fitness. And that was my whole entire life. You know, being an athlete, that was all I had ever known, but I didn't think that that was a career possibility. I didn't think people, you know, made money doing things like sports or athletics or training. So, uh, nursing school seemed like, uh, the best option coming from kind of a traditional area with, um, being from West Virginia, it was safe. It was guaranteed. It was something that I knew no matter where I lived that I would have a job. Um, so went back to nursing school. After right. I just got
2: one question, sitting. Let's back this up. You, you threw something out there that got skimmed over. Did you say high jumper?
7: High jumper. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. How, uh, two ways to go over that bar, right? Do you, do you go over or there's, 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 there's three ways.
7: I have no idea.
2: So how do you, how, how, yeah. What's your technique?
7: Mine was the Fosberry flop. So I went over backwards.
2: Backwards, right. Okay. And your highest jump.
7: Highest jump was five eleven and a half, so almost six foot, but not quite there.
2: <laughs> that's awesome, and, and that was did, was that your primary? Or did you do anything else?
7: No, that was it. I was just recruited for uh, just high jumping. Loved it. That's that's also where I kind of fell into the strength training world because I had never, as a, a girl from a very small town of Sissonville, West Virginia, I had never done any strength training or anything like that. So. Our football team had strength training programs, but, you know, girls track and volleyball didn't have any of those. So that's where I went into college, kind of figuring out, OK, if I'm going to excel at this level with this new level of competition, I've got to figure out how to get stronger and to get more powerful. So that's kind of where I fell into the strength training world.
2: Well, right on. Now, your family, the background on them, any athletics, any sports or anything?
7: No, no one in my family was athletic. My brother and I were both always in sports uh, from as young as I can remember. We were always involved in, you know, basketball, soccer, football, track, etc. But I didn't have any, you know, any athletes in my family to, to kind of set that example or anything.
2: I right don't. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you on that one. I just uh, high jumper. I was always fascinated with that because I was so short. I tried out. To, to do that but
7: He's i could jump short i could jump
2: under that bar a lot better
7: <laughs> right you roll under it right <laughs> when i got to college i was actually one of the shortest ones in in every single competition uh weirdly enough and i'm five eight so i'm not a short woman but i as a high jumper i wasn't super tall so uh i get where you're coming from there <laughs> that's awesome
2: all right so high school out of west where at in west virginia
7: uh charleston
2: okay to, to give everybody uh, an idea where that is uh, on the map, nat- how far is your biggest town?
7: Uh, Charleston actually is the biggest town, I guess, in West Virginia. Um, so graduated college, um, went to, back home to go to nursing school because I thought, you know, that's the best option for job security. That's going to be something where anywhere I go, I can have a job. Um, and so went back to nursing school. I was working at a nonprofit at the time as well to try to put myself through nursing school because I didn't have an athletic scholarship anymore. So I was working at a nonprofit, um, trying to just make that happen. And, my, my fiance Dustin actually had just finished up passing all his CPA exams and he moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where we are now, um, in pursuit of kind of his growing into a banking career. Um, and I think it was a third day I ended up calling Dustin and I had just gotten due to budget cuts. I had gotten let go from my nonprofit job and I thought, what in the world am I going to do? How am I going to afford nursing school? Um, they gave me a severance package, but they just didn't have a need for my position anymore. So Dustin had moved to Charlotte and you know, I had been talking to some gym managers down there and talking about how, female fitness professionals were so hard to come by and female personal trainers were so rare and especially female personal trainers who had a college athlete background. So he had been talking to that gym manager on and off all week and I called him told him I lost my job. I was crying. What am I going to do? What the heck? I don't know what to do now. And he's laughing on the other end of the phone. I'm like, what in the world are you laughing for? And he says, you'll never believe kind of the opportunity of the conversation that I just had with a manager at the gym that I've been going to. So I decided to move down to Charlotte and just as I had that severance package to kind of get me through the summer before nursing school started back up again, I thought, why not try personal training? All I had ever known was athletics. I was, you know, from the time I was five until the time I was 22, I had been involved in sports. So I thought this is probably going to come natural for me. Um, I can make a little extra money this summer to help me get back through nursing school when it starts up again. So went down to Charlotte, one of the most active places I'd ever been coming from West Virginia. It wasn't necessarily super active and it wasn't, you know, there's a need for fitness there, but there wasn't necessarily a want for fitness there.
5: Yeah, And
7: like that, I didn't know that it was a possibility to be a career. So went down to try and make some extra money in the summer and uh, probably goes without being said, I didn't go back to nursing school. we just <laughs> in love with, uh, the profession of fitness and, and kind of giving back to other people in the way that I had been given to my whole entire life as an athlete, always having coaches, always having someone to tell me what to do, how to do it, proper technique, focusing on strength. Um, and so I finally figured out that that was a possibility for a profession, and so fell in love with it and never went back to nursing school. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's
2: funny how we, uh, the Lord directs us in our path, whether we want to go down it or not.
7: Right. Yeah. It's not something I ever expected. Um, I knew it would help me get back to nursing school and, you know, have the funds to get through it. But, you know, I never knew that was a possibility. Like I said, coming from West Virginia and, and such a small town like Sissonville, they definitely needed fitness, but... There's never, I would, had never heard of a fitness professional or a personal trainer making a, a living that helped them enough to live off of.
2: Oh, well, most people, when they, when they go into one of those paths, either the, the service, call it the service path, right? Right. Going through medical school, you learn all the med terminologies. I mean, that's why they say, hey, this is all Greek to me, because it is in Latin. So, I mean, not only do you know the, the, kind of the schematics of the body, but a lot of them don't know actually how the, that muscle works or what it does when it gets hindered. So putting the right. having the background and, and the the passion to do both of those, I mean that just makes you better at what you do, because not only can you under understand the body and how it functions, you can name it, but then you can also relate because when people drop all the workouts or the diets. Everyone's different. I mean, you look at some right. of them and they're kind of tailored diets. Yeah, you it's good enough to where it can help a bunch of people, but ultimately it's about getting out there and moving and then trying all of that stuff in moderation to see which one actually works for you and and your ability to know how to, how not only it functions, but the, you know, what the names of all the muscles are and and whatnot. That's, that's cool.
7: Yeah. And it it all boils back to, like you said, people just moving. And I think a lot of people have no idea how good they're actually designed to feel when you start getting stronger and you start feeling like, Oh, I can feel this muscle now. I know how it works. I know how to target it. I know how to see progress now. And it, it doesn't have to be any type of, crazy off the wall attempt. I just always go back to sports and how I moved as an athlete, all the the different directions I had to move, all the focus on strength and speed and technique was everything. Because if I was injured as a college athlete, I was no good to the team and I was going to lose my scholarship. So it was always technique, technique, technique. So that's a huge part of my focus now uh, as a trainer too. That's awesome. Mm, That's amazing. Can you
4: tell us a little bit about your brother?
7: Yeah, so that's actually kind of the next situation where I feel like that was my never quit story. Uh, When I moved to Charlotte, I, I should backtrack and say I didn't really have any support because it was considered a pipe dream to kind of go for a fitness career. It was a hobby. It wasn't something that was realistic, so... Um, and you know, and that messed with me a lot mentally. I was like, is this wrong of me to do this? I feel with my whole entire heart that this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, but I didn't have any support. So I just figured I'm going to give it my all and see what I can do with this thing. So, um, wasn't making hardly any money, had broken down cars all the time. Um, didn't make much as a personal trainer, but I knew if I got out there, And just met people and offered free boot camps and offered, you know, worked at three different gyms, worked at churches, doing fitness classes, anything I could do to get my name out there, um, I did that. And it was definitely a struggle uh, for years before my brother passed away. Um, And he was 24 at the time. And I had just kind of felt like I was getting my footing in the fitness industry and in Charlotte and, you know, felt confident in where I was as a businesswoman. Um, and I get a call from my mom on June 11th, about 6:30 in the morning. And it was a Sunday and I knew something was wrong. It's, it's one of those calls where you have a gut feeling like this isn't good. It's so early in the morning. Um, so she called me and said, my brother had been in an ATV accident uh, overnight with a bunch of his friends. Uh, most of them were okay, but he was not awake yet. And he had, hit his head. He had severe brain damage and they were probably going to have to do brain surgery. And so I, I initially thought him being the type of dude that he was, Oh my gosh, Zach wrecked on a four wheeler or a dirt bike or an ATV. Again, you know, he, he's going to be fine, but my gosh, how does he always get into these, these situations? He was so, you know, he was always active and in the woods and on something with a motor, you know, he was always that type of dude. So I thought worst case scenario, he'd have to have surgery and he'd come out with a scar on his head and we'd be like, oh, Zach, stop doing this to us. Um, But, you know, long story short, he over the course of two weeks, he never woke up and it it just got worse and worse. And he kept getting infections. And, you know, long story short, he it overcame and he didn't have any brain function at the end and he ended up passing. Two weeks after his accident, he just had a daughter. Um, he had just celebrated her first birthday. He just got married the year before that, so we had to kind of make the call. He has pretty much five percent brain function, um, and we knew that that wasn't the life that he would want to live by any means. so uh, he yeah he passed away, and uh, that was definitely the hardest moment of my whole entire life. I'd, we celebrated every birthday together. Um, we celebrated you know all the holidays together of course and you know I'd known only thing I had ever known was that I had a younger brother my whole life and now that was just quickly taken away from me
4: oh my gosh I'm crying I can't even imagine that that's terrible how did his life inspire you and what you're doing now like do you feel like you're carrying on his passion
7: yeah I definitely feel that way I I When we were in the hospital with him, actually, there's which is so crazy that you guys reached out to me called Team Never Quit. Um, When we were in the hospital with him, there was a CrossFit gym back in Charlotte or back in Charleston, West Virginia, um, that had asked me to write my never give up story. And I was going to tell them about what I was telling you guys about how I moved to Charlotte. I didn't really have any support, but I knew this fitness career was a possibility now. So I was going to do whatever it took to chase it and make it come to life. So they had asked me, uh, could you write a story about your never give up story? And I said, yeah, of course. Uh, My brother's actually in the hospital, so I can come over and, you know, snap a photo, give you my story while we're in town there. And she gave me a T-shirt that said, here, give this to your brother. So when he comes out of surgery, he'll have this shirt to wear through his rehab because we knew it was going to be a long, long stretch of rehab or so we thought. So she gave me this never give up shirt. And the next day he actually passed away. So I feel like that was his message to me that no matter what you don't give up, you just keep going. Things are going to happen. Life is going to be hard. We're all going to face terrible, terrible situations that we don't see coming, but you cannot give up. You've got something in you and you can't give up. So I feel like that was his message to me and it just felt it was my responsibility to kind of carry that on. So um, we actually, after my brother passed, um, my fiance Dustin and I, we were like, we have to do something bigger than what we're doing. We have to help more people than, than who we're helping now being in personal training. You have one person for one hour and then that hour is gone and you, you have nothing to show for it. You can't help any other people within that hour. So, uh, I knew that we had to, to scale bigger. We had to do something to help more people than what we were doing at that time. Um, Dustin was super artistic and he was doing some photography for me, helping me with my social media, helping me just be, have awareness in the fitness industry. And he was at that place too, where he's like, if I, if I don't have tomorrow, I would regret so hard, not taking this leap with you and figuring out how we can scale this fitness passion that you have, because you have a story, you have um, your athletic background and people need the passion and the energy and the knowledge that you have. So we actually ended up getting a studio here in Charlotte, which is where we film all of our workout videos. We Dustin actually built the studio by hand. We have a big cyclorama stage that he built by hand. Um, and we just decided to go all in and figure out, um, you know, how do we get more people again? So Dustin and I were both working. I was still training personal and training clients while we were building the stage, had about 60 clients per week to be able to afford the studio. Dustin was still doing freelance photography and working as a full-time CPA. And a couple of months in, we both decided we've got to let all of this go. And, and in that way, we can help more people give free workouts to people all over the world. That's so awesome.
2: You're carrying your little brother's wishes out for you. I mean, you, you got that never quit shirt probably around the exact same day I was going through Operation Red Wing back in the in oh um, five. So around six six twenty eight, and
7: yeah, it really was on on the 20, 26th, I think.
2: Right. So that's kind of when my thing whole started, and then when it went and when
0: my buddies died, I had that's that's kind of it's just your stepping off point. Selling a little or a lot.
1: Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
7: Right.
2: So the direction that you're going in is exactly where you need to go. And uh, everybody who comes in around you, picture them as a, as a weight or as a, as a tool to be utilized for you to, to make you stronger. I mean, that's what everybody is. I, I always think of myself as I was a blade and everyone around me is a stone. They're going to sharpen me or dull me out. When someone dies the whole concept behind death, we, we take that on because we go through every emotion. So when someone dies close to you, you're the one that actually does it. That's the toughest part about living and the toughest part about having a lot of friends and a lot of family that you're close with, but yeah. everything up to that moment, like all the good times that you shared with them, they all come into frame right then and there. And then yeah. it hurts. I mean, it does. And when we mourn our, our loved ones, we, we mourn them. That's, that's the memory that we have. But, at no point in time would they ever want us to just stall in the door and, and, and keep that cycle inside. So it has to right. it does have to work itself through there. It's just it's just like anything else. But then you harness all the good things. You do exactly what they want you to do. You get out there and you never quit and you follow your dreams and, and you live this, you know, you run this game as hard and as fast as you can. That's how you keep their memory alive. Cause every time you talk about him, we're gonna once we get off the phone, we'll turn around and talk to somebody about him. That they're still around. Just like all the other people in your life that aren't sitting right in front of you. I mean, that's, that's kind of how reality works. It's what's right in front of you that you can see and then you never lose their memory and you never stop loving them and you take everything that was good about them and you push forward with it and that's what you've been doing. So great job.
7: Thank you. And I, I know you get it as well, which, you know, by the way, thank you so much for, for your service and your sacrifice and bringing your story to light to to inspire people. And, and you understand, you know, Danny and Axe and Mikey would never want you to stop your mission of inspiring people and, and showing them what hard work does and showing them that you can get through things, uh, as much as they hurt. Uh, you know, life is different without them. Absolutely. Uh, but there's a point where you have to, to make a decision. Do I stop and, and let this thing win over me or do I move forward with honor to make sure that their legacy never stops being talked about or make sure that they never leave memories.
2: That's a perfect way of saying that. And that's kind of how I always looked at it being the one that, that had to carry that weight was that, Man, I mean, if I walk around in a bad mood and upset at everybody, then, then yeah, that's what they, that's the idea they have of the whole scenario. When in reality, man, I man, I, I try to work in, as hard as I can and have as much joy in my life as I can. Cause that's what I was granted. Exactly. That's, that's what that's, that payment was for.
3: So. Yeah. And Sydney, I've got to say your your YouTube channel inspires a ton of people. My sister Robin actually does your workouts every day and it's that's cool great. to see that like someone like yourself is taking the opportunity to help people stay healthy, get in shape even when they don't have the opportunity. She has a newborn baby at home and she gets to like do a daily workout without having to leave the house and that's freaking awesome.
7: Yeah, that was my whole entire goal. Which tell her I said hi by the way and thank you for working out with me. Um, and congratulations on the baby, but yeah, that's, it it all kind of boils back to what we were raised in. And, and I know that people don't always live close to a gym. I know that people can't always afford a gym membership. I know that people have kids at home and they can't take a couple hours to go to the gym every day, but they still deserve a quality fitness experience. So that was, you know, our mission when we dove into this after my brother passed, uh, we we decided, you know, we're going to go all in and we're going to give these people a workout every single day where they can show up and they can depend on a trainer who is going to keep them accountable, who's going to show up for them because they deserve it no matter what their circumstances are. Um, if they're intimidated by a gym, if they can't afford it, they're not near one, they don't have time. They still deserve that quality fitness experience and a trainer who's going to show up for them as well. So uh, that, that means so much to me to hear that she's using the workouts.
2: Life is the gym, right? And I was, we were watching uh, Back to the Future, one of the Back to the Futures uh, the other day, and they were talking, said something, and the guy goes, "Wait a minute, they run <laughs> for fun." So, I mean, the minute yeah. you, we started running for exercise, you knew that technology was great. I mean, we were good if, if you because right. every day wasn't a battle just to keep you in shape. But a lot of people think that you have to go to the gym seven days a week, work out three to four hours a day. It's amazing how far um, knowledge and tech has come in that in that field of yeah. um, you know kind of body enhancement. It's it's amazing because you yeah. the, the when you see the commercials and and all that stuff, man, they just that's what they're trying to get you into the gym. But ultimately, it's you think you got to stay in there every single day to maintain. That's not how that works. I mean, if you're climbing, if you want to get to somewhere something if you if you work out that hard you'll get there faster but the body still has to heal and recover and everybody does that differently too i mean after i would have one of my surgeries i, I would get to where i could just stand up and then i would do one pu- i'd go down to the gym do one push up and then leave and it, you know, because yeah. you have your whole life to do this, right? It's not like oh, I need. To... I think that's why people get discouraged. Like, I got to get this done in two weeks. Well, yeah, man, if you're going somewhere, but if you're not, then just start with one push up and do one. Eventually, you'll get bored doing that, and while you're down there, you'll probably do two. That's right. Yeah. You know? and once you turn your mind into into that concept, that uh, I was talking to some of the kids that I train, and I had them down doing some push ups in about a minute or so, and they were they were all breathing hard, and they're crying and wailing and i was like wait a minute man you know if you, if you leave out of here and, and go uh, home with your wife you go into the room and do push-ups for hours and not get tired and, and be screaming and hollering and having the best time so it's all kind of a, a mindset of where and what you're there to accomplish because your body will want to stay in its environment and its routine your mind yes. has to be the first thing that pushes over and once it does it usually takes about two weeks to to kind of settle that thing into a new groove so it's like get kind of like a horse that, that you hadn't been uh, fooling with in a long time. They don't you know, they don't want you on your back. And that's what the body the body doesn't want that either. But right. eventually it'll 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 move into that pattern. And the, the, the biggest part is is right and it happens at the very end. So people will work out real hard and then they'll they'll get to that the point right when they're fixing the transition and then by design you get weaker right you're like man i've been working out so long and, I, and now i'm getting slower and i'm like well that's because you're about to physically change into that other thing that's the body's right. last ditch effort to keep it in its in its other routine and once you do yeah. that and it and ultimately it comes when people are like hey they notice like someone will say hey you look like you've you know you've been working out and boom it's set right then and there and so don't get discouraged that's the one thing that watching your show and whatever everybody talks to you man it's like a it's not a sprint, ultimately. It's just like, hey, let's, let's don't start with losing 20 pounds. Let's lose one or half a pound, right, and then go from there. Uh, right. Uh,
7: start with one push-up, like you said. Start with one better choice of meals in terms of nutrition so you feel better when you're working out, you know, so, and you can recover as well. Like you said, it's just one step at a time, and that's, that's something on my channel I always say. I, I'm never expecting you to be perfect, but I'm expecting you to show up and do what you can today, and tomorrow you'll do the same thing. You know, so I totally agree with you there.
4: So you get your studio and then you had a little altercation. (laughs) I saw your video on that. Can you tell our listeners about that?
7: Yeah. So we had our studio and and like I said, it was around February of 2018 when we decided, listen, we're going to go all in. It was so much time to do a workout every day, film it, record it, edit it, upload it. And I know you guys get it with a podcast. It's a whole process. To make this product come to life for people. So uh, we were determined to do it every day. It, it had to be worth it. And from February until about um, August or the end of July, we were doing this every single day uh, for free. Everyone was getting workouts for free. We weren't making any money off of it, but we knew we had to put in the work in order to be able to get to a point where the channel would grow enough. So it was around the end of July when we got approved for <laughs> YouTube partnership. And that's when we felt like, okay, we're, we're picking up steam. This is good. YouTube noticed. Um, we're now a YouTube partner, so let's keep grinding. Let's keep going. Um, and then it was, um, one month later, uh, we were locking up our studio at the end of the night and about to head home after I had still been training, you know, personal training clients in the morning. And we filmed a workout at training climates in the evening. And then I came back to the studio to, I thought I was going to record another workout. And Dustin was like, let's just get out of here. Let's lock up. We'll do it again tomorrow. So locked up the studio. Um, We turned to go down to our cars and we see four guys walking up the street. and They weren't walking towards us, but they were walking up the street. They had hoods on. We were like, oh, great. They're going to probably go break into some cars. There had been a history over the summer of, car break-ins around us. So um, we thought, oh my gosh, they might go break into a car. Let's get in our car and get out of here. And as soon as we walked down the stairs, turned towards our car, I hear a whisper from behind me, don't move. And I turned back and I thought, "What? are they talking to each other? Are they talking to me? So I look back over my left shoulder and I see the flicker of a gun in the streetlight pointing right towards me. And so I I turn around and I said, Dustin, they have guns in the car, and he proceeds to put his backpack in the back seat. Uh, get into the front, sit down. Like I said, we didn't think that they were actually going to shoot. So I walked around to the other side of his car, um, and right before I sat down in the car, I looked back at the guys, and then there are two guns pointed at us. And it was all dark, but I saw in the streetlight. So I sit down in the car really fast. There, they start shooting right as I'm sitting down into the car. Um, Dustin puts the car in reverse. I'm screaming, I'm ducked down into the, the, uh, floorboard of the passenger seat. Somehow he managed to get us out of there. And, uh, we just, I think we ran red lights. We were just speeding away. Um, Dustin called the police and as he was on the phone, I reached down towards my foot and I noticed, um, my foot was wet. Was like what in the world is on my foot? I didn't step in anything. And I brought my hand up to where I could see in the streetlighting. And it was covered in blood. So that's when I realized um, the officers told us that there were eight shots fired. And luckily, Dustin was closer to the shooters than I was. And he wasn't hit. But I guess the bullets went, uh, one of the bullets went underneath his car, bounced up um, and hit my foot on the other side of his car right before I pulled it in. That's so crazy. Yeah the bullets went directly under his car. One went through my foot and one grazed the back of my chute. So, um, luckily out of eight, only one made contact, but, um, yeah, I got to the hospital. They couldn't stop the bleeding. Um, apparently the bullet had hit an artery, so they had to take me into emergency surgery. Um, and I woke up, I think it was, that was 9:30 PM that the shooting happened. And I think I woke up around 1 AM with, you know, a big cast on my leg out of surgery.
4: That is nuts, I mean you never hear stories like that that just in a parking lot somebody getting shot. I
2: remember hearing uh, when I heard that story for the first time and kind of knowing your background was like when, that you had been shot in the foot. I was like, oh, and did those guys were fleeing? I heard that they had they had, I thought that's what had happened first. I was like, man, she got shot in the foot. She got done doing legs that night when they rolled up with two guns, and she went to whipping their ass as they were running away and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh
7: like that, yeah
2: and, yeah. And then uh, where'd, where'd you get hit in the foot?
7: I was right between my ankle bone and my Achilles.
2: Right. is so that, that artery that wraps underneath that out of all the places to get hit. But yeah. So go ahead. I mean, they took you in for emergency surgery, obviously. Shut the, and, uh,
7: Yeah. And the, the bullet ended up hitting my heel bone. Uh, so it kind of shattered my heel bone. They had to go in and uh, cauterize the artery. And they had to put a bunch of bone wax on my heel bone to get the heel bone to stop bleeding as well. Um, And I didn't know, you know, waking up from that, I I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know exactly what was going on. All I knew was that as soon as I got to the hospital, they kept trying to dig into my foot. And I was screaming. I didn't understand why they were doing that. But apparently they were trying to find the artery to clamp it off with their fingers. And it just felt like bombs were exploding on my foot because they kept grabbing that nerve. uh, That's right where the artery goes as well. I was just a mess of... screaming, screaming as loud as I could. I I never had felt a pain like that. And up until that point, it didn't even hurt. So between the time that I got shot and the time that I got to the hospital, the ambulance driver was like, you're the the calmest gunshot victim we've ever had. But at that point, the adrenaline was still going. So I wasn't hurting yet. But when I got there, they started trying to find the artery and digging into the bullet wound. And that's when I knew, okay, something's wrong. So yeah, it took me to the surgery. Um, I didn't know waking up as well. I didn't know if this was some type of gang initiation. Were they trying to, you know, prove their way into a gang? Uh, I had no idea if they figured out that we survived and they wanted to finish the job. I didn't know. And and we're in a pretty good area. So I just didn't understand, you know, why this had happened. Um, The police officer said it was a crime of opportunity, which I I still don't really know what, what that means. But um, yeah, it was, it was terrible. And the next night they actually shot a guy in the chest right down the street from me. And he woke up from surgery and he actually knew who the shooters were. So he turned them in. Uh, But I had no idea why they did it. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know why I deserved that. And I was on this, you know, I was on this mission since my brother died to, to make sure that people got fitness and they got access to free fitness and you know, I knew that I was going to continue that mission, but I was just, you know, kind of annoyed that they had set me back. And I was the one that had to deal with it. So I was I was very frustrated when I woke up, I guess, to say
0: the least.
2: The body, and you know, this is kind of like the machine that carries the mind around. And just like when you're driving your vehicle down the road and a rock jumps up and hits and, and dents the side of it or cracks the window, it doesn't stop the vehicle. And have you ever, ever been... Cut and you didn't know it till you look down at it. That's when you feel the pain. It's just the same thing. Even when that light comes on the dash, it says, "Hey, we got a little problem here." You're gonna, you're gonna keep going. When that adrenaline yeah. kicks in, it it overshadows all that pain to get you out of where you need to go. And um, that's why it's such an amazing mechanism to, to to survive. The biggest thing about when you get shot is. If the bullet just goes, is when it hits bone, that's when you start running into problems because all those things, all the bone fragments become projectiles and, and they do most of the damage. If it's, if it doesn't hit boon, uh, bone, then the, the hole will be the same size as the projectile. Yeah. And then when you get next to that nerve and artery and that vein that's wrapped around and it goes up underneath the ankle bone there, that's a kind of a crazy spot to have an injury. And a crime of opportunity means those idiots, you, you got to think, man, these aren't guys, with, I mean, they're wearing hoods or walking around in a parking lot. They're not trained soldiers or assassins or anything. Crime of opportunity means all, the, the opportune time to commit a crime. And everything had to, like, whatever their comfort levels were, for them to commit that, probably dark, uh, you know, late at night. There's four of them, there's two of y'all, uh, whatever, right. you know, a guy and a girl, They, they that all comes into play because it's, that's what they see on TV. And then when they go out and try and do it, it you know, it works and then it doesn't work. And there, when they do something like that, the, the more they do it, and they get away with that. That kind of builds a false confidence, but there's no more bigger coward than those guys that walked up on you like that. I can tell you that right now. And the path that you're on, that your brother kind of let you know that was set for you and that you're following in your heart. When you do something as, as good as you are, like with charity, with helping people for just, for giving that your time and spending your life in the in the for the betterment of other people uh you know the devil's gonna send some people out there to to get in your way you can't because if you do so much good then there won't be bad and, uh, and people will follow your example and then when they did come over there and they hit you like
0: that they expected you to stay down and that's why they added the pain in there selling a little or a lot
1: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
2: But all that did, it wasn't a setback. You don't have those. It was, it was a test, and, and now it's kind of like working out. you work out real hard, and you're sore for the next couple of days, and you're laying down. It's, you're not, it's not a setback. Man, you're making progress you just have to stay there and heal and everything that comes into you just passed over to a different club <laughs> yeah. you know, a lot of us in our community the, steel team, the guys get shot and I was talking to some of the school kids that, that had been hit in, in one of the school shootings and, they had, and I was like hey you know what a lot of, most of us have to spend our entire lives to get a swagger like that I mean you're calling it a limp right now because you're a kid but don't worry about that man when you get older and you survived it then how would you like to be walking next to somebody who had, who had been through something like that we, I mean, we, we kind of applaud our athletes because they're exceptional what they do, and we applaud those, and we look at those who have been through insurmountable amounts of pain to give, to give an identity of what everyone's capable of, because we're all the same. I mean, it's just how much time and effort you put into to, to maximizing the abilities that your, your, you know, your body has and turning it into yeah. something that, that you, weren't, you weren't born with. I mean, just think about everything in the mind and the body. Everything's already in there. Everything you could ever want to do or have, all that knowledge is already in there. You just have to find the chapter and the verse and, and 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 study it, and the body will do it.
7: Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's like you said. You you said the kids have a little different swagger now, and I things are different with my foot now. But you know, it's it's not something that I was going to let stop my mission. I knew that I had a mission um, from from the day that I started fitness as a career, and then it just accelerated when I lost my brother. And then the shooting actually just kind of made me think, listen, so many things are going to try and take me down, uh, but it's not going to stop me on this mission. So if I have to sit out for a couple months and recover and let the bone heal and, and try to get feeling back in my foot, that's fine. But I still have this mission. It's not going to take away something that's so heartfelt to me just because maybe there's a detour in the path that I thought wouldn't have any detours. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there.
2: Now, yeah, what well, gives you a? Now you're a mental coach as well as a physical coach. And if there's people who are ever scared to get in the gym because they were overweight or out of shape, be like, hey, you know what? Right now, I got I'm busted up. My, my, uh, I can't use my foot, so I'm down. So everybody who hadn't been working out, just just if you want to start working out with me again, we'll do it together. We'll start at the bottom. Like you literally took yourself off the pinnacle of your shape, went all the way back down, and climbed your way back up. And that gives people a a, a, a kind of a, a a door to walk in. If you're that da- yeah. everyone looks at the, everybody who's really good at what they do because they've been practicing, just automatically assume that they just got that way, and that's that's not the case. And, then, right. and very rarely do they come back down to start again at the bottom. But if you if you do that, like you have, and that usually comes from an injury or something or a death, and then mm-hmm. you you know you just you can influence more people.
7: Yeah, and I think about the relatability is is something that I have now with like you said, people who are beginners. People who are coming back from an injury, even women who have just had kids, you know, you come from a place where you feel so great and then all of a sudden you just don't. And you're basically starting from the beginning again. So I constantly, throughout my workouts, uh, I approach it in, in a way that says, I'm here with you. I'm, I'm your teammate. I'm going through this as well. I'm battling my way back as weak as I might be right now, you know, coming back four months after the shooting. I said, Listen, have grace with me. I am on this mission, just like you are to get better. I'm starting from a completely different place than I was four months ago. But the thing is, I'm not going to give up. And so I'm here with you. I'm being vulnerable. Um, we're going to get better together every single day. And from then on, I just never stopped. Um, and, and, understanding that people, uh, have injuries, they're coming back from things that doesn't always feel perfect. Like I don't have feeling in the entire bottom of my foot. Um, it doesn't always feel perfect. I don't always feel balanced, but um, there's, there's just a mental aspect of just showing up and giving what you have that day, even if it's 40% of what you normally feel, I still want you to give me hundred percent of your 40 and, and no matter what it feels like, uh, you know, for me each day, I know that me showing up and being vulnerable and, and coming back from the weakest I had ever been to now I feel mentally and physically the strongest I had ever, I have ever been um, people can relate to that, and they're on the same mission as well. So I think it's it's the relatability of your trainer, and yes, I'm leading you, and yes, I'm in front of you every day, but also I'm, I'm in it with you. I'm doing the whole workout, no cuts, no edits. I might stumble around when I get on my right foot a little bit, but it's all good. We're all going to stumble around. We're just not going to stop.
4: I love that. I love your mentality on this. So with New Year's coming up, Sydney, what – What are your advice, what's your advice to people to keep their resolutions? Because almost everybody has a resolution for fitness, me included. Every Mm -hmm. year I want to get into it. And I just, life gets so busy and people like me think about everybody else before we think about ourselves. What's your advice for that?
7: Yeah, I think that's human nature. And I think especially, Melanie, as women We just always tend to, to make sure everyone else is good first. And then we check in on ourselves. And I think, uh, you know, with the YouTube channel, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to do. Not make it, uh, fitness doesn't have to be a necessity where you have three hours out of your day to drive to the gym, do the workout, drive back home. Um, but it's just small choices each day. It's when you wake up, what's your, what's your first move? Are you going to go back to sleep or are you just going to roll up and do the workout? Um, you're going to feel better after that. But until you kind of get that post-workout satisfaction of, yes, I'm done. Yes, I did it. Yes, I kept my promise to myself. It's tough. Uh, the beginning part is always the toughest. But I think it's just knowing that you're in total control of your your destiny. Ultimately, you have, you have the opportunity. Now with YouTube, you have a free option to do fitness every day. Um, you have pretty much everything you could need in terms of going forward with a fitness regimen. Um, For my channel, I know, but if my channel is not your jam, there are tons and tons of other options for fitness out there. It's just making that choice. And I think also making it a promise to yourself, just knowing that you deserve the outcome of feeling stronger physically, which turns into strength mentally as well. Um, I think getting through a workout translates in terms of building character in terms of discipline, in terms of the place that you went mentally in that workout to get through it. You can also use those characteristics in your life to go up to a job interview or have that tough conversation with someone that you need to talk to or get through the days where you're really tired and your kids are driving crazy or you don't feel like cooking healthy food. I think in the workouts, I always talk about the way that you do the workout and you get through it and you understand that you're the one that got yourself through that workout you're ultimately the one that is in control of every decision so pushing through the tough times of the workout trains you to push through the tough times when you don't feel like doing anything but stopping for fast food or you don't feel like doing anything but hitting snooze um, i think the training for me on my channel it's it's training
0: in fitness and in life selling a little or a lot
1: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TrilifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TrilifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
7: So I think that just knowing the benefits and knowing it's a choice and a promise you're going to make to yourself is the biggest thing. It's, it's that relationship with your own self that you know, I would feel better if I did this. I would feel more confident. I would have more energy. I would be able to move a little better in terms of functionality. I, I would be able to lift things and move things without thinking about it. Um, so I think it's just just knowing that there are so many benefits to it and, and the choice and the destiny is in your total control.
4: Yeah. I'm going to have to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> For all of those that are listening, can you give us, like, how do people find you? What's your your channel and your social media and however – whatever you want to plug
7: yeah so my youtube channel is just sydney cummings um our company website is royalchange.fit uh which has all of our merchandise it has um fitness programs and then my community that kind of goes with the youtube videos where i do all of my nutrition education lifestyle coaching um nutrition science uh motivation talks live q and as i'll bring specialists in like registered dietitians or chiropractors um, the YouTube community kind of dubbed that the Sydney squad. So now we have a membership community called the Sydney squad that goes along with the workouts. So we have a community of over, uh, 700 people from all over the world. Um, we have almost every country in the world in that community. So, That's
4: so uh, Instagram cool.
7: is Cummings underscore as well.
4: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us.
2: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, that, that's amazing. If I, I've learned one thing when I, Millie and I got married. By design, the difference between women and men, so our muscles on the outside of our, fu- our fat, that's why we take pain and, and bruise on the outside. Y'all's is on the inside. It's, <laughs> a woman is so powerful on the inside and in her strength that it, that it has to be covered in the shell that it's covered in. I mean, y'all can do things that we can't. Y'all can have babies. Yeah. And when I watch my wife go through that pain... I mean, it, it, it was unbelievable. I, 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 if a guy got his ass, if I had my ass whipped like that, well, I would never go back for more. <laughs> never. I've you had to you, like, you know, if a dude, I was just thinking about women when it comes to maternity leave, you know, it's like being in a car car crash. Like, if a, if a guy gets hit by a car like that, man, not only does he get paid leave, he gets like a year off, right? Sometimes they even retire him. I mean... Wait, if you if you see a woman who's had, had multiple children, it's kind of like a USC champion. Like she just went in there and just took that pain. A guy gets a stomachache on the inside, and we're down for a month. I'm not yes. even kidding, man. Mm-hmm. Heaven help us if if women, if you alls exterior and interior, whereas I mean that's it's kind of like y'all are the nuclear bomb around here. I mean the strength <laughs> that, that literally to take the pain and the emotional, all that stress that comes with life, and not only that, but dealing with us. Is it, it has to be wrapped in what it's wrapped in, otherwise it would it would it's just too powerful to be down here. And yeah. is, is you, I'm not kidding. I mean i I grew up in a community where the men we we thrive on pain and chaos. We learn to live in it. And I was never the best at it, but I hung around them. I've seen guys take pain like like nothing. I mean, I just unbelievable on the outside. Like I said, so imagine women, y'all are we have the y'all have the exact same. As we do, around here walking around on this earth, there are women just as strong as the strongest man out there. Physically, they can take that pain on the inside, and um, it's when you combine those two. Like if, like I always tell people, when I found if you find your opposite and marry them, your kids will be perfect. That's why our kids are perfect because my Melia is she's my opposite. But I literally watched watched watch her do that (laughs) and and go through that pain for us. You know, to, to recreate that life just opened up my eyes to how you know valuable y'all truly are i, I like to say man, i mean they've done a study over time what happens when you pull women away from men it's called prison you know we just separate and kill each other for fun <laughs> put one woman in the mix and we'll calm down but
7: <laughs> we chill out a little bit
2: yeah right and uh that's because y'all are the balance down here yeah y- you're twice as important as i mean than us and uh <laughs> I grew up in a matriarchal family, so I got a chance to see this uh, firsthand. The only time the men came around was kind of beat us back in the line. But no, you know what your strength is. And, yeah. I mean, you, you, as you go through this, imagine before you came down here, you wrote out your story. It wouldn't be all good times, especially not for somebody like you because of the business you're in and what you're trying to do. So those, every obstacle that comes across um, your path, imagine you're the one that put them there. You wanted that just to test yourself. So that, yeah. that bad day isn't something that you have to take every single day afterwards. It's just something that you had to take on that day. And when you right. wake up in the morning, imagine every time you come back into the game, you open your eyes and you're back in it. Everything you're going to need to get to the game is is around you. It's closest to you. The stuff that's furthest away from you is the stuff you don't need. Right. If you spend your life going after that stuff that you don't need, I mean, trust me, you'll be on a, on a lot of adventures. Because right? the beginning, and then there's the end, and there's all the roads in between. And, and we, you know, we go down them just to see what's down there. And then yeah. if, if it's not the right path, you turn back around, and you, and you go the opposite direction. But it's always better to do that with, with your friends and with, and with family. And you know that phone doesn't have an identity. That's why a lot of these millennials, you see, they don't have an identity, because neither does that phone. But what you do is you reconnect the mind to the body. And then you give examples of hard times in between. So it's uh, it's truly something. Never right. uh, never doubt that in your head. I know your brother's proud of you. Never quit, right? Keep going. Keep inspiring.
3: Thank you again for Thanks. coming on the show.
7: Yes, thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Hey, Sydney. Thank you all. Awesome time.
3: Yeah, before we wrap up, hey, maybe we could work with you to create like a Team Never Quit workout for the new year and we could cross promote it on our YouTube channel to help just send a little bit more love your way.
7: Okay. Yeah, I'd love to talk more about that for sure.
3: That'd be awesome. All right. Have a great day. Thanks again for joining us.
7: Thank you. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.
3: All right, guys. It's that time again where we share one of your listener story write-ins. This is one of our favorite parts of the show because you guys are what keep us doing this. Your stories inspire us. And uh, yeah, without further ado, I'm going to get to today's listener story. The author is Emily. The story is called My Meningitis Marathon. First, of course, I'd like to thank you for creating a platform such as this to inspire people, not only to share their stories, but to find support here and grow and continue to fight through their own hardships. I've been searching for a way to get my personal story out in hopes of helping others with this rare condition and give them hope that they too can continue fighting. My name is Emily. I'm a 32-year-old retired professional athlete synchronized swimming from Ohio. I've lived in Las Vegas since 2010 and was a Cirque du Soleil performer in two different shows over five years. I spent the last two years living in L.A. working on the Avatar sequels as a stunt actress. When I moved home to Las Vegas, I decided I needed to take a break and rest for a few months. As my body recovered, my worst fear appeared once again. As I took a step in the kitchen one night, I felt the familiar pain shooting through my spine. A pain I knew very well. I looked at my husband, fell to my knees, and began to cry. I knew I had meningitis. Again. The fifth time in six years. I was crushed. I knew what was in store for me. Meningitis is the kind of thing that comes on so fast, you don't know what hit you. Most people are in the ER on day one because normally by day two, you're dead. True of bacterial meningitis. June 2013 was my first battle, and I'd like to share that particular experience. I woke up on day one with a bad migraine and just feeling off, so naturally I went to the gym. It didn't go well. I tried the same thing on day two, and it didn't go well again. On day three, the pain had spread to my entire upper body. I couldn't move my neck, arms, or shoulders, and my vision was blurry. I thought maybe I pulled everything on my neck, so I decided to try a massage. I cried the entire time. It was so painful. By day four, I couldn't walk, so I called my boyfriend to come get me to keep an eye on me. By day five, I called my Cirque doctor, who immediately ordered me to the ER. But I grabbed a latte first because I read caffeine can help migraines. They instantly suspected meningitis, even though they were confused that this five foot 120-pound blonde with her latte rolls in saying, Hi, my name is Emily. I'm in the worst pain of my life and might be dying. Sips, latte. They wanted to do a spinal tap, and I said, no thanks, and they sent me home. That's when things got real bad. I slept in another room than my now husband James that night and really knew I was dying. So I threw myself off the couch and made the long journey down the hallway, crawling with one arm. When I got to him, I was throwing up everywhere. He carried me to the truck and sped to the ER. I walked in by myself while he parked and I laid my head on the reception desk. They recognized me from the day before and rushed me to get a spinal tap. Almost immediately, the doctor came back in a full-on PPE hazmat spacesuit and rolled me to isolation where I remained mostly unconscious for the next 10 days. The hospital is not a place for recovery. It's a place to not die. The recovery battle begins at home, and it took some months. When I was better, I thought, okay, great, that's over. It'll never happen again. Onward, champions. But exactly a year later, it happened again. And then six months after that, and then again and again. Now that I've just finished recovering from my fifth battle, I've come to an understanding. The universe has given me this gift because I can beat it and share my story and help others kick ass too. I just need to sack up and tell my story. So here I am. This fight doesn't end for me and that's okay. I want to give hope and maybe answers to others. I want to show that you can have the life you see for yourself. Even when doctors have no answers for you. I've seen all the doctors. I've read every single piece of information on this illness. Doctors have literally shrugged at me. I have recurrent viral meningitis. But I will continue to live, continue to fight. I can either worry about this happening again, or I can dig my heels in and lean in, spear tip first. So anyone out there experiencing these battles, I understand. I know you're scared. You may feel guilty for lying on others sometimes, or frustrated. I know you have chronic pain. Listen here. Those are small beans. Small beans. It may be a part of your life now, but it isn't your whole life. It isn't who you are. You can live the life you want to live. You're not alone. Heels in, spears forward. I got you. Emily. (laughs) What? (laughs) What just happened?
4: I have so many questions.
2: That's
3: amazing.
4: Is she healed?
2: Just goes to how, when we're talking about how tough women are on the inside. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. When I go down like that, when I real sick, I call it detention. Literally. If you're
4: sick, you are the worst.
2: Yeah, it's bad. I'm not kidding. (laughs) So I, I mean, I look at it as a cocoon phase and you have to be laying down for that. And, kind of sit still and you come out on the other side stronger just like you said emily i mean you your body morphs into something after it goes through a battle like that it, it absolutely comes out stronger on the other side and if it keeps doing that then it lends perspective on how strong you really are that's amazing i can hear it in, in the way you write i mean that's that's something so thank you for doing that i mean that's this is the place for that wait i mean you find somebody who's been through something like that there's always somebody out there who's either going to have to go through it or is suffering through it and we are not alone right you always have you got a partner out there and um you know misery loves company but in a team you're not really suffering you just it's the environment that you live in it's it's if you know that and you know that there's somebody out there that's willing to go through it with you man that's that's unbelievable it carries so much more weight so thank you for writing in and sharing that story i'm there's somebody out there who's going through that and you want to share it, bring it in and we'll we'll connect those two dots, that pattern right there and there's your platoon. Um, you get through this battle of life together. We'll build it one person at a time. So Emily, thank you for everything that you've had to go through and thanks for writing in and sharing it. It's going to impact a lot of lives. God bless you.
4: I agree, Emily. Thank you for having that mentality too. I mean, having it that many times most people would feel defeated and just want to give up, but Having the Never Quit mentality is inspirational to a lot of people.
3: Yeah, thank you again, Emily. If you want to share your story, head over to teamneverquit.com slash podcast. There's a big button at the top that says share your story. We've got a lot of listener stories there. You'll read them, check them out. You're going to relate to one of them, and they're really powerful. And we love sharing these stories every week.
2: What'd you think?
4: I thought she was awesome. I mean, you know me, I'm very emotional when people lose their loved ones. So of course that made me teary eyed and I felt really bad for her, but for her to keep moving and keep going on with what her passion was and feeling her brother's presence through that is really inspiring.
3: Yeah. And we do a podcast once a, once a week and it's a lot of work. We know that. And she's putting out personal training videos Every single day, for free on YouTube. That's that's really cool because we know what it takes to do that. You know, yeah. from a work standpoint, like that's awesome that she's willing to do that for people. Oh, but a lot of people to pick a
2: career path, it's that straight line, and but there's all those those 359 different directions to get to to where you want to go. And literally doing something like that every single day for free. Everybody will go there. Everybody wants to go do something for free. Yeah, I mean, and. How do the advertisements come in when people from people watching? That's right. Just for her wi- her willingness to, to hone in her skills and give it away for free, she'll make.
3: That's right. She'll be rewarded. Yeah,
2: oh yeah. Then when you lose your clarity, do some charity, and it says that that charity is the one way you can survive down here, giving everything you got. That's awesome, Sydney. Thank you again for being a part of this. Welcome to the team. I'm sure we'll be uh, hearing from you and seeing a lot of
3: great things out more out of you. Yeah, if this episode inspired you, share it with a friend. You know, if you know somebody that's got New Year's goals around fitness and health and things like that, Sydney could definitely be the resource for you. And this episode could be the thing that that keeps you going forward. So uh, yeah, share it with a friend if you can. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. There's a purple button there. Press subscribe. It helps this show grow. It helps us get the message out. Helps us continue to inspire people to never quit.
4: And we're free too.
3: Free. Yeah, it does. I mean, that, that New Year's resolution. If
2: you're making that, and it's to get back in shape and go into the gym, it doesn't have. To, you don't have to go into the gym and kill yourself that first time. I mean, when I do it, I was like, all right, I, I, I got to start going to the gym." I'll literally just drive into the gym parking lot and drive out. He made it. Yeah, first day <laughs> made it to the gym. Went to the gym. I'll make it in the door tomorrow, and then make it to the to, you know to the desk and then into the and then hey, the amount of effort you put into going that far, far is, is more than you did the day before. That's all it takes,
3: right? Just Hashtag one push-up challenge. There you go. <laughs> to the gym. <laughs> to the gym. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. We love it. We love having you guys. Can't say that enough. Thank
2: you guys so much for for keeping this thing going and being a part of this. But I love you so much. You're, I love having, when you come on and, and, uh, <laughs> and do this. It, it truly is a, an amazing experience. Um, we're blessed. Thank you, Lord, for everything. We love you. God bless you guys.
0: Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash audioboom.
5: Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.